chapter nine of the stolen singer by martha fletcher bellinger this librivox recording is in the public domain reading by matt Perard. chapter nine the camp on the beach sunset of the day that had dawned so strangely and wonderfully for those two wayfarers of earth james and agatha fell on a little camp near the spit of coastland toward which they had struggled the point lifted itself abruptly into a rocky bank which curved in and out yielding to the besieging waves just here had been formed a little sandy cove partly protected by the beetling cliff at the top was verdure in abundance vines hung down over the face of the wall coarse grasses and underbrush grew to its very edge and sharp-pointed fir-trees etched themselves against the clear blue of the sky below the white sand formed a sickle-shaped beach bordered by the rocky wall with its sharp point dipping far out to sea high up on the sand a small rowboat was beached there was no path visible up from the shingle but it was evident that the ascent would be easy enough nevertheless the campers did not attempt it instead they had made a fire of driftwood on the sand out of reach of the highest tide near the fire they had spread fir boughs and on this fragrant couch james was lying he was all unconscious apparently of the primitive nature of his surroundings the sweetness of his balsam bed and the watchful care of his two nurses jim was in a bad way if one could trust the remarks of his male nurse who spoke to an invisible companion as he gathered chips and other bits of wood from the beach he was a young business-like fellow with a clean wholesome face dressed only in gauze shirt trousers and boots without stockings this lack of course was not immediately apparent the tide had just turned after the ebb and he went far down over the wet sand sometimes climbing over the rocks farther along the shore until he was out of sight of the camp returning from one of these excursions which had been a bit longer than he intended he looked anxiously toward the fire before depositing his armful of wood he looked anxiously toward the fire before depositing his armful of driftwood the blaze had died down but a good bed of coals remained and upon this the young man expertly built up a new fire it crackled and blazed into life throwing a ruddy glow over the shingle the rocks behind and the figure lying on the balsam couch james face was waxen in its paleness save for two fiery spots on his cheeks and as he lay he stirred constantly in a feverish unrest his bare feet were nearest the fire his blue woolen trousers and shirt were only partly visible being somewhat covered by a man's tweed coat the fire lighted up also the figure of agatha redmond she was kneeling at the farther end of jim's couch laying a white cloth which had been wet over his temples her long dark hair was hanging just as it had dried except that it was tied together low in the back with a string of slippery seaweed her neck was bare her feet also her loose blouse had lost all semblance of a made-to-order garment but it still covered her while a petticoat that had once been black satin hung in stiff salt-dried creases from her waist to a little below her knees she had the well-set head and good shoulders 
with deep chest which made any garb becoming her face was bonny even now clouded as it was with anxiety and fatigue she greeted the young man eagerly on his return if you could only find a little more fresh water i am sure it would help the milk was good only he would take so little i think i shall have to let you go this evening to hunt for the farmhouse yes mademoiselle the young man replied he had wanted to go earlier in the day but the man was too ill and the woman too exhausted to be left alone he went on speaking slowly after a pause i can find the farmhouse i am sure only it may take a little time following the cattle would have been the quickest way but i can find the cowpath soon even as it is if you wouldn't be uneasy with me gone mademoiselle oh no we shall be all right now till you can get back as she spoke agatha's eyes rested questioningly on the youth who ever since she had revived from her faint of exhaustion had teased her memory he had seen them struggling in the sea and had swum out to her aid she knew and after leaving her lying on a slimy seaweed-covered rock he had gone out again and brought in her a companion in a far worse condition than herself the young man also was a survivor of the jeanne d'arc having come from the disabled craft in the tiny rowboat that was now on the beach more than this she did not know yet something jogged her memory every now and then something that would not shape itself definitely indeed she had been too much engrossed in the serious condition of her companion and the work necessary to make the camp to spend any thought on unimportant speculations but now as she listened to the youth's respectful tones it suddenly came back to her she looked at him with awestruck eyes oh now i know you are the new chauffeur queer name hand yes i remember i remember what you say is true mademoiselle he stood before her a stubbornly submissive look on his face as a servant might stand before his betrayed master it was as if he had been waiting for that moment waiting for her anger to fall on him but agatha was speechless at her growing wonder at the trick fate had played them her steady gaze serious and earnest now without a hint of the laughter that usually came so easily dwelt on the young man's eyes for a moment then she turned away as if she were giving up a puzzling question she looked at james whose stubbly bearded face was now quiet against its green pillow as if seeking a solution there but she had to fall back at least on the youth do you know who this man is she asked irrelevantly no mademoiselle he was picked up in new york harbor the night we weighed anchor i have not seen him since until to-day the night we weighed anchor what night was that last monday mademoiselle at about six bells and what day is to-day saturday mademoiselle and past four bells now monday saturday agatha looked abstractedly down on jimmy asleep while upon her mind crowded the memories of that week this man who had dragged her and her rescuer from the water who had made fire and a bed for them who had got milk for their sustenance had been almost the last person her conscious eyes had seen in that half hour of terror on the hillside her next memory after an untold interval was the rocking of the ship 
an old woman who treated her obsequiously a man who was her servile attendant and yet her jailer but then suddenly as she knelt there mind and body refused their service she crumpled down on the soft sand burying her hand in her arms hand came nearer and bent awkwardly over her as if to coax her confidence it's all right now mademoiselle whatever you think of me you can trust me to do my best for you now oh i'm not afraid of you now agatha moaned in a muffled voice only i'm so puzzled by it all and so tired twas a fearful strain mademoiselle but i can make you a bed here so you can sleep agatha shook her head i can sleep on the sand just as well i think mademoiselle i'd better be going above and look for help from the village as soon as i've supplied the fire i'll leave these few matches too in case you need them yes you'd better go hand and wait a minute until i think it out agatha sat up and pressed her palm to her forehead straining to put her mind upon the problem at hand go for a doctor first hand then if you can get some food bread and meat and for pity's sake a cloak or long coat of some kind then find out where we are what the nearest town is and if a telegraph station is near and stay have you any money a little mademoiselle between nine and ten dollars that is good it'll serve for a little while please spend it for me i will pay you as soon as we can get to a telegraph station i can get more get the things as i have said and then arrange if you can for a carriage and another man besides yourself and the doctor to come down as near this point as possible you two can carry him she looked wistfully at james to the carriage wherever it is able to meet us but you will need to spend money to get all these things especially if you get them to-night as i hope you may i will try mademoiselle the ex-chauffeur stood hesitating however at last i hate to leave you here alone with only a sick man and night coming on he said you need not be afraid for me replied agatha coldly her nerves had given way now that the need for active exertion was past and were almost at the breaking point it came back to her again moreover how this man and another had made her a prisoner in the motor-car and at the moment she felt foolish in trusting to him for further help it came into her mind that he was only seeking an excuse to run away in fear of being arrested later a second time she looked up into his eyes with her serious questioning gaze i don't know why you were in the plot to do as you did last monday afternoon she said slowly but whatever it was it was unworthy of you you are not by nature a criminal and a stealer of women i know and you have been kind and brave to-day i shall never forget that do you really mean now to stay by me hans gaze was no less earnest than her own and though he flinched at criminal his eyes met hers steadily as long as i can help you mademoiselle i will do so at his words spoken with sincerity agatha's spirit tired and overwrought as it was rose for an instant to its old-time buoyancy she smiled at him you mean it she asked honest true cross your heart 
hans business-like features relaxed a little honest true cross my heart he repeated all right said agatha almost cheerfully and now you must go before it gets any darker don't try to return in the night at the risk of losing your way but come as soon as you can after daylight and remember i trust to you good-bye hand already earlier in the day had made a path for himself up the steep bank through the underbrush and now agatha went with him to the edge of the thicket she watched and listened until the faint rustling of his footsteps ceased then turned back to the camp on the beach she went to the fire and stirred up its coals once more before returning to james he was sleeping but his flushed face and unnatural breathing were signs of ill now and then he moved restlessly or seemed to try to speak but no coherent words came she sat down to watch by him after agatha and james had been brought ashore by the capable mr hand it had needed only time to bring agatha back to consciousness both she and james had practically fainted from exhaustion and james had been nearly drowned at the last minute agatha had been left on the rocks to come to herself as she would while hand had rubbed and pummeled and shaken james until the blood flowed again it had flowed too freely indeed at some time during his ordeal and tiny trickles of blood showed on his lips agatha dazed and aching was trying to crawl up to the sand when hunt came back to her running lightly over the slippery rocks they had come in on the flowing tide which had aided them greatly and now hand helped her the short distance to the cove and mercifully let her lie while he went back to his work for james later he had got a little bucket used for bailing out the rowboat and dashed hurriedly into the thicket above after some tinkling cowbells though she was too tired to question him agatha supposed he had tied one of the cows to a tree since he returned three or four times to fill the pail what a wonderful life-giver the milk was she had drunk her fill and had tried to feed it to james who at first tasted eagerly but had on the whole taken very little he was only partly awake but he shivered and weakly murmured that he was cold agatha quickly grew stronger and she and hunt set to work to prepare the fire and the bed almost while they were at this labor the sun had gone down sitting by jim's couch agatha grew sleepy and cold but there were no more coverings hans coat was over jim and as agatha herself felt the cold more keenly she tucked closer about him alone as she was now in solitude with this man who had saved her from the waters with darkness and the night again coming on her spirit shrank not so much from fear as from that premonition of the future which now and then assails the human heart as she knelt by jim's side covering his feet with the coat and heaping the fir boughs over him she paused to look at his unconscious face she knew now that he did not belong to the crew of the jeanne d'arc but of his outward circumstances she knew nothing more thirty she guessed me to be thereby coming within four years of the truth his short moustache concealed his mouth and his eyes were closed it was almost like looking at the mask of a face the rough beard of a week's growth made a deep shadow over the lower part of his face and yet 
behind the mask she thought she could see some token of the real man not without his attributes of divinity in the ordeal of the night before he had shown the highest order of patience endurance and courage together with a sweetness of temper that was itself lovable but beyond this what sort of a man was he agatha could not tell she had seen many men of many types and perhaps she recognized james as belonging to a type but if so it was the type that stands for the best of new england stock in the centuries back it may have brought forth fanatics and extremists at times it may have built up its narrow walls of prejudice and pride but at the core it was sound and manly and responsive to the call of the spirit something of all this passed through agatha's mind as she tried to read jim's face then as he stirred uneasily and tried to throw off the light boughs that she had spread over him she got up and went to the edge of the water to moisten afresh the bandage for his forehead involuntarily she shuddered at sight of the dark water though the lapping waves pushing up farther and farther with the incoming tide were gentle enough to soothe the child she hurried back to jim's couch and laid the cooling compress across his forehead the balsam boughs about them breathed their fragrance on the night air and the pleasant gloom rested their tired eyes gradually he quieted down again his restlessness ceased the long twilight deepened into darkness or rather into that thin luminous blue shade which is the darkness of starlit summer nights the sea washed the beach with its murmuring caress somewhere in the thicket above a night-bird called in a cranny of the rocks agatha hollowed out the sand still warm beneath the surface here where the sun had lain on it through long summer days and made for herself a bed and coverlet and pillow all at once with the sand piled around and over her she could not really suffer and she was mortally tired she looked up toward the clear stars vega and the jeweled cross almost in the zenith and ruddy antares in the body of the shining scorpion they were watching her she thought to-night in her peace as they had watched her last night in her struggle and as they would watch after all her days and nights were done and then she thought no more sleep blessed gift descended upon her End of chapter nine